Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hey, do you suffer from random aches and pains? Do you find yourself getting tired sooner or having a harder time waking up on some days? Have lines and wrinkles formed on your skin? Do your feet sometimes hurt? You might be suffering from totally normal aging disease or TNAD. Now, you could change your diet or get healthy or exercise or go to talk therapy or just get more sleep. Or Hey, don't worry. Help is on the way. Inconvenient pill form. It's Gullapill, the new pill for the new acronym of the new disease that used to be a common ailment. Gullapill, because sometimes the best solutions come when we create the problem. Gullapill has not yet been evaluated by the FDA. Symptoms may include a temporary feeling of power over a natural aging process, subsequent addiction, and GoFundMe pages for your health care. Gullapill, because every problem is just a disorder without a name yet. Hey, I'm John saying Welcome to SaniCast, Episode 9. And before we get started, remember, a president can't say thoughts and prayers if he doesn't think and doesn't pray. Um, let's begin this with just a little quote to get you riled up, because this is about you facing this crazy world. Uh, John Adams, second president, memorably played by Paul Giamatti. Let us disappoint the men who would raise themselves upon the ruin of our country. You ready? Let's go. My name is John Fuglesang. Thank you for listening. I host a show on Sirius XM Insight. I'm a comedian. I do cable news stuff. I'm half Southern, half Brooklyn. My American family has included uh, right and left-wing people, immigrants and soldiers, Latinos, African-Americans, uh, LGBT people, law enforcement, and convicts. I got a Muslim cousin. I got a Jewish sister-in-law, an atheist brother, and an ex-nun mother. I don't get to hate on anyone. And this is the Sanity Cast, the show that reminds you you're not crazy. It's as the rest of the world is. Depression is a disease. Negativity is a habit. Sanity is the opposite of Hannity. And despair at this point is privilege. You need to get back in the race and keep up in the fight. And that's what this show is. The very fine art of giving a fuck. Uh, today, quick recap of some recent headlines with deeply inappropriate commentary. Part two of my interview with the Reverend Barry Lynn, former director of Americans United for Separation of Church and State. Everything virtuous and knowledgeable that I pretend to be, Reverend Ballot Barry embodies in spades. You don't want to listen to it. Uh, you don't want to miss it. You do want to listen to it. That was that was sort of a mixed metaphor. And let me tell you, when it comes to mixed metaphors, I nail them 
out of the park. Okay, uh, we're also going to have uh, lots of fun stuff, including Inspiration Nation, some movies and songs and albums that will talk you off the ledge when you need it, because I understand why it seems kind of crazy. The racists on my TV, at least during the hour that Tucker airs on a news channel, the racists say immigration threatens Western civilization. Well, Vladimir Putin's mission is to destabilize Western civilization. That's his entire gig. He got a racist, lying, corrupt reality TV con man, pussy-grabbing president, bringing massive U.S. overspending, and this fakakta trade war with China, which has diminished America like never before, not since Aftermash have we looked this bad. Slowing down trade will slow down growth. The deficit went up 77%. In three months, they've gone back and lied. His Department of Labor has gone back and lied to revise their unemployment numbers multiple times. And these stories are not making the front page. Putin helped get the UK to leave the EU and and, and shrivel up Europe as an economic superpower. Now he's going to try to get rid of NATO. And what happens here in America? Well, a few short days ago, A special counsel confirmed that Donald Trump had asked Russia for illegal help. He accepted the illegal help and he lied about it and he tried to stop the investigation multiple times into it. And uh, we responded by killing a couple of bills that would stop Putin from doing it ever again while arguing over the investigators on camera skills. Because were you let down by Robert Mueller's performance on camera? I don't I don't think I would pick him to host anything on on cable news or even Home Shopping Network. I, I, I really feel I don't know much about the investigation. I didn't read the report like most of Americans, but he, he was kind of halting. He said, um, he, he didn't answer. He couldn't hear at times. I, I really weak, weak performance. He does not go forward and prosecute or idle. That's how we replied. Vladimir Putin is as smart as the MAGA guys think Trump is smart. And it's been quite a week. Donald Trump woke up uh, about a week ago and saw that there had been a mass shooting at a garlic festival in California. So he responded by insulting uh, lots of black people, famous black people. Um, Since then, we've had the Walmart in Texas. We had the nightclub in Ohio. Over 30 people killed in just these three mass shootings in a little over a week. And Donald Trump and the NRA and the Republican Party are promising to keep America safe from any policies that might keep Americans safe. Um, They're doing thoughts and prayers again. And it might get you crazy to hear this, uh, but saying thoughts and prayers are with you means that you never have to say our legislative agenda is with you. You can't send thoughts and prayers, Republicans. You don't think and you don't pray. See, Trump and the NRA keep reminding us that we have this mental illness problem, not an AR-15 problem, not an AK-47 problem. It's a mental illness problem. Oh, and the mentally ill should be totally able to buy AK-47s and AR-15s anytime. And and we go on Twitter and actually have the hashtag do something. Well, the NRA is going to do something. They're going to do email blasts to all their members warning that these activists on Twitter and these Democrats in the House are threatening your Second Amendment rights, which they did Every time there was a massacre in the Obama administration, Obama and Eric Holder are going to come and take away your rights. And people will believe this and they'll go out and buy a lot more guns. And the gun makers will profit big time from yet another mass shooting. That's how it works. The NRA is not a gun safety organization. They used to be years ago, back when Wayne LaPierre still supported background checks. That's not what they are anymore. They're a lobbying organization for the gun manufacturing industry and a PR organization. So whenever the NRA says, you know, it's too soon 
after a massacre to talk about gun safety laws? No. When they say it's too soon, it's usually too late. They'll tell you guns don't kill people, people kill people. And that's true. But NRA people who own Congress people make it really easy for deranged people to kill the innocent people. You know how we do it? The Ronald Reagan Memorial Assault Weapons Ban. That's how we do it. Ronald Reagan respected the last one, which expired, or should I say was allowed to expire, by George W. Bush and the GOP in 2004. So so here's the solution. The Ronald Reagan Assault Weapons Ban. Machines designed to kill lots of people really fast are not to be owned by civilians. And if any guns are to be sold to civilians, uh, then you have to make every person who buys them be responsible for that gun and if it's ever used in a crime. And that person has to get three co-signers to all say they'll be responsible for that person's gun. And if that gun's ever used in a crime, all four people are criminally responsible. Maybe a law like that. Maybe a law where we registered every gun in America like we register every car in America. It's still legal. And, and they'll say, oh, oh, no, the, the NRA types out, oh, the government's going to collect a database of gun owners. And they email that to their database of gun owners. Name it after Ronald Reagan. You know what? You want a better strategy? Let, let's sell any guns in the world, but only to women. I think we've seen that white men are the demographic that most can't handle their assault weapons, people. I think white men have had their shot. Now it's time. Only the women. This is my whole solution to pull the troops out of Iraq. I, I'm sorry, out of Afghanistan. You know, the only one thing you do, you leave the troops, but you leave all the weapons with the Afghan women. Watch all that shit clear out in a generation and a half. People calling for gun control, they're going to say they're exploiting a tragedy, but they're not. And this is the thing to remember. The people calling for gun control aren't exploiting a tragedy. They're trying to prevent the next one. So this leads us to uh, the current state of America, which I call what the fuck fatigue. This is a week when the Christians of the Trump administration reinstated the federal death penalty. You know, forgive us our trespasses as we lethally inject those who trespass against us. Jesus, huge on one thing, man, killing the sinners. Two things, guns and killing sinners. Um, This is a country where the same trolls who call you cuck are the ones who also want to let Russia come in and screw America while they silently watch in the corner. This is a country where the last two conservative businessmen presidents have been a millionaire at birth who couldn't find oil in Texas and gave massive tax cuts to his fellow millionaires, and a millionaire at birth who couldn't run a casino in Atlantic City and gave massive tax cuts to his fellow millionaires. This is a country where the president can go give another rally in Cincinnati, Ohio, and, and, and literally make an Eric Garner, I can't breathe, I can't breathe joke. And he gets away with it because people think he's too stupid to know what he's doing. And the only takeaway we have from this entire speech is that our president has now spray tanned himself out of the known color spectrum. And his hair is now the color of one's urine after too many vitamins and asparagus. So let's go to a little news segment called Really, It's Not You. Um, it, It's easy to get discouraged, okay? When your ideas are unpopular in a democracy, generally, you change your ideas. Not the modern Republican Party. When their ideas are unpopular in a democracy, they cheat the democracy. Gerrymandering is cheating. Uh, Russian hacks is cheating. Using stolen emails is cheating. Uh, Cheating Merrick Garland out of a Supreme Court seat is cheating. Only showing 7% of Brett Kavanaugh's records is cheating. Voter ID laws are cheating. Using a slave owner's electoral college to reject what the majority of citizens want for president is cheating. 
Kemp keeping 53,000 Georgia people from voting, 70% of them black, is cheating. And letting Russia help you cheat? That is some weapons-grade cheating. But there's good news this week. Um, we sort of dodged what could have been the scariest bullet yet for a Donald Trump appointment. You remember the, the last week was the Mueller hearings, and Mueller, man, he, he, he might be a Republican, but man, he's a pinata like a Democrat. That, I haven't seen a Vietnam vet take punches like that since John Kerry did for two years straight. But uh, that was interesting because we saw this guy, John Ratcliffe, congressman, who um, was really just auditioning uh, his monologue against Robert Mueller. I'm like, is this guy trying to get a job on Fox? Are they bring him back red eye? And then we found out um, Dan Coats was r- retiring or rather being ousted from the Department of National Intelligence because he did something wrong. He took steps to prevent foreign attacks on our elections, if you want to know how we're doing in this country. Um, and in 2019, the right-wing politician who most despises national intelligence has a good shot at running it. So they got rid of Coates, and Donald Trump announced this guy, John Ratcliffe, right off the bat, was going to get the job. This was appalling if you looked into Radcliffe's record, and uh, it, it just sort of seemed like, are we this asleep at the wheel? I mean, Radcliffe was a guy who'd been on the Intel Committee less than a year, only been in Congress for five years. The head of the DNI is supposed to have a long career in intelligence. DNI came out, you know, because the CIA used to sort of be in charge of Intel, and, and they had to create, after 9-11, one big office to encompass all the intelligence agencies that Donald Trump says are lying about Vladimir Putin interfering in our election. So I guess I kind of felt good with let the CIA and all the intelligence agencies uh, vet John Ratcliffe's career. He says he prosecuted terrorists, but there's really no record of that. So let him look at his donors. Look at his bio. Look at his resume. 24 hours after I tweeted that, they announced John Ratcliffe's nomination was being pulled. And Trump blamed it on the media, who vetted John Ratcliffe better than Trump. Uh, really quick, because I want to get to Reverend Barry. Um, I wanted to, you know, talk about the Democratic uh, debates, the two nights of Democratic debates. And I was sort of saying, wow, it's like watching a group of 10 people smarter and more moral than Trump. But I, I that's dumb, because you see that most times when you leave the house. Uh, I like the opening. It was sort of like the beginning of a sporting event meets the beginning of American Idol. They brought the candidates out reality show style and then had this tasteful, elegant uh, honor guard and, and a choir singing the anthem. It it set the tone nicely. Um, Interesting seeing that when Tim Ryan didn't put his hand over his heart, former Bush press secretary Ari Fleischer, responsible for the death of hundreds of thousands, possibly over a million for his role in the lies leading up to the Iraq war, uh, he actually tweeted angrily, angrily about uh, how, how Tim Ryan didn't put his hand over his heart during the national anthem. Uh, and Ari Flesher was able to tweet about that because uh, he, he, he didn't do it either. He was watching at home and uh, tweeted during the national anthem that he did this. See, ask your neighbors, do you kneel in your living room during the national anthem at football events? Or are you sitting there, you know, drinking your schlitz? So then the debates were what they were. Uh, night one, John Delaney brought an insurance industry to a Bernie fight. They seemed to think that the right thing to do was to attack Bernie and Elizabeth Warren all night. That was the best way for Bernie, Sanders, and Elizabeth Warren to get double the time due to responses they had to give and repeatedly elaborate their views. So well done. More of that. I mean, it was kind of crazy. Like Bernie and, and, and Elizabeth Warren were sort of like Walter White and Jesse Pinkman, realizing that they had to keep each other alive because they were surrounded by guys who wanted to off them. Um, I do support Michael Bennett. 
uh, when he runs for uh, Jimmy Stewart. And John Delaney, I, I think he might be auditioning for the MASH reboot to play uh, Frank Burns. I'll tell you who wasn't there. Congressman Seth Moulton. That's an embarrassment. Uh, he's a vet. He's the only representative running who called for an impeachment inquiry. He makes this party look really, really, really good. And they would be really smart to include him on that stage. I wish... Tammy Duckworth was running uh, because, shucks, I mean, she's like a disabled female minority pro-choice veteran and a nursing mom. She's like six groups Trump's previously insulted all at once. So really quick, uh, one thing, uh, you know, I, I care a lot about the 9-11 first responders. I've done fundraisers for them in the past. And Donald Trump sold a lot of lies about 9-11 from boasting on TV that day that like he now had the tallest tower in lower Manhattan. And then he claimed that he lost hundreds of friends that day. He can't name one. He took he took money, you know, for 9-11 charity. And then he said, you know, after after a comedian had wrestled the Senate into approving the first responders funds, he said, I was down there at ground zero. I'm not considering myself for a first responder, but I was down there. I spent a lot of time down there with you. <laughs> all right. All right. Listen, when Donald Trump tells 9-11 first responders, I spent a lot of downtime, a lot of time down there with you. Just remember, he's talking about their time at ground zero. He's not talking about the time they spent trying to get benefits, because if Donald Trump had thrown the weight of his propaganda machine behind the 9-11 first responders, this funding would have come through literally years ago. And he's lying. He wasn't down there with them. He knows he spends so little time with this guy, these guys, he accidentally calls them barren. Um... So one more thing. The president is being racist and we're still debating is racism racist, just like we debate our concentration camps, concentration camps. Uh, and again, if it's a prominent African-American critic, he'll call them dumb. He even said dumb parentheses stupid to explain what that means, because he thinks that you need to be told that dumb means stupid. It's yours to blow, Democrats, seriously. But but consistently responding to critiques from prominent African-Americans by denigrating their intelligence is really stupid at best. And at worst, it's a continuation of his 40 plus years of public stereotyping, otherizing and low wattage racism wrapped in a dog whistle. Here's the number you need to know for Donald Trump and race. You ready? It's zero. Number of Caucasians Trump has said should go back to where they came from. Zero. Number of Caucasians whose birth certificate Trump has demanded. Zero. Number of majority white nations he's called shithole countries, zero. Number of Caucasian judges he said should be disqualified over their ethnicity. <laughs> well, you know. So when we come back, it's going to be uh, part two of my interview with the Reverend Barry Lynn, former executive director of Americans United for Separation of Church and State. This guy is one of the wisest guys in the game, and I want him to be president. You will understand why he can talk about spirituality and politics with an authenticity and love that is seldom seen. Enjoy the Reverend Barry Lynn. Reverend Barry Lynn, thank you for hanging out extra long. Absolutely. We, we bled into another episode. I feel ah, like a real podcaster now. I, I see no red. <laughs> um, you're an ordained minister in the United Church of Christ, uh, but you don't oversee a congregation. You're right. more like uh, a, a minister. Your congregation is uh, the airwaves and the people. You, you, I know you perform weddings, and you, um, you, you oversee funerals as well, yes. and you debate um, fascists. Yes. Uh, m my favorite thing Jesus ever did was the love. Uh, number two 
was calling out hypocrites. <laughs> Number three was miracles. I like the hypocrite calling out better than the miracles. I, mean, yeah. I love a great Jewish magician, Houdini, what have you. But, you know, the calling out the hypocrites is something that I think is very, very important. And it's one thing to do it from a secular point of view. But what you do, I think, is so special. And you're one of the people who inspire me as a comedian and as a guy who does politics. Because in the time of Trump, I think it's never been more important to talk about what Christianity actually means. And I ask my Trump-loving loved ones all the time, can you name one specific teaching of Christ that he campaigned on or has fought for legislatively? And I've never heard a, a real response. But I do talk to lots of people of faith, and, and some of them are just spiritual, not religious, sure. which is, I think, the biggest growing group in this country. Indeed who are just despondent over it, who just think this represents the end of America, the end of Christianity, everything I grew up believing in is just a joke. I mean, my, my favorite celebrities have been disgraced, the presidency has been debased, and the country is a laughingstock, and Christianity now is cover for douchebaggery. I know you've had dark nights of the soul, Reverend Barry Lynn, I but have. how do you find your strength and find your love in such a shitty time yeah it's um it is sometimes difficult to do that but i i think you look at the the quality you look at the experiences of the people not the people that are you know fill up the last two and a half minutes of the network news when they're trying to look for some good thing you just look in your own communities and you find the people who are doing extraordinary things the kindnesses of strangers the kindnesses of neighbors and you say, this is what America can be, and this is America what it should be, and I'm not going to give in to despair. I was asked, I, I wrote a book called God and Government, and it was actually written under the assumption Hillary Clinton would become president of the United States. That didn't happen. I had already agreed, though, singer-songwriter Dar Williams is a yeah. good friend, and she had asked me months before the book was even out, look, if, why don't you open for me at a, a club, a big club in Washington? I, I said, open for you? What am I supposed to do? I don't sing. I gave up the clarinet when I, as soon as I left home. Uh, she said, no, read from the book. But I, nothing seemed right in the book to read in front of you know, 500 people because Hillary had just lost the election. Mm. So I wrote another chapter. And the chapter, which I give out if people buy the book now, and they ask me, was what do you do at a time when everything looks as bleak as it does three weeks after the election? And I think a lot of it is worthy. I think you, you fight. You have to fight everything. You have to fight. You cannot give up. And this is why I've switched my political position from being impeachment's a waste of time to saying, I think we should impeach him. Because I think whatever you do, the House has a responsibility. The Senate has a responsibility to have a trial and to convict or not to convict. And I have no illusions about that. But if the House of Representatives wants to make a case. And I wish people would realize in the impeachment question that you don't have to find a federal statute that he violated, that this, the idea of impeachment transcends that into conduct of an executive that runs counter to what the purpose of the United States is. You don't need to find some statute. You know, they're quoting the statutes all 
time during the Mueller hearings. That's not what's necessary. You have to say, does this man represent leadership in any responsible way? And if the answer is no, and I think it clearly is with Donald Trump, he should be impeached. If he doesn't get convicted by the Senate, that's their problem. The Senate might not even have a trial. I could see Mitch McConnell just refusing to have the trial. I think so. there might be some way to force him to have a trial. But it's it almost, if he doesn't do it, I mean, not look, the, the man, Mitch McConnell, I do have one good thing to say about him. I'm going to say that. Please. He... He opposed an amendment to the United States Constitution to prohibit the burning of the American flag. He did. He did. And he was actually a leader on that. And that's the only good thing I can say about him. Uh, Carl Hulse, the New York Times writer in Washington, uh, has a wonderful book about the last couple of Supreme Court nomination battles, what the Democrats did wrong, what they did right, and how terrible a human being Mitch McConnell has been. And uh, those... It's important. But you know, as uh, I, I, you and I have talked about this before, you can't hate these people. No. I don't hate Mitch McConnell. I didn't hate Jerry Falwell. I don't hate Pat Robertson. But their policies are atrocious. They are immoral and they are unethical. And they have to be rebutted. And unfortunately, the media gives very, very a brief tenure to any kind of progressive religious voices on any of these issues. You're telling me this? Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, I think it's a, uh, I think it's really a scandal. I think it is too, because I think there's a hunger for that. I, I do shows yep. on the road and I, I talk to people all the time who, who still have a spiritual yearning. They don't trust organized religion. Mm. They don't trust men in dresses and funny hats, but they, they still have, they, they like Jesus or God, or they like the idea of God or whatever the, the big electron, whatever it is, the great <laughs> sure. mystery that we, that we all struggle with. And, and I, I turn on the TV and I see two groups, atheists and imbeciles. I see non-believers, <laughs> and I see douchebags screaming at women outside clinics, yep. and that is meant to be the point of view of faith. And for me, one of the reasons why I admire your writing and your work and, and your litigation is that you know, you're not just fighting a liberal point of view. You are really showing, you're forcing these people to stand up there and say, what does the Bible really say about this? When it comes to LGBT issues... Um, you know, the courts overturned uh, eventually uh, uh, Mike Pence's <laughs> religious freedom law. Yeah. And religious freedom now means the freedom to pretend Jesus hates the same groups you hate. Exactly. But uh, my whole thing was, if you're going to try and say that you get an exemption to a law because of religious reasons, and Rastafarians, take note. <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, shouldn't you have to prove where your holy book says Jesus drove the gay cakes out of the temple. I mean, the LGBT issue is a perfect example of that. I don't know how you can you can say you follow Jesus or even Paul, because Paul doesn't mm. technically come out and say being gay is wrong. Right. Um, Old Testament, yeah, but no one follows Leviticus or Exodus laws right. on those. Um, you know, to me, it's just so insidious that they're trying to use Jesus to justify being cruel to marginalized people. Yeah, it is the marginalized people. When we get back to this, um, I don't. I used to do radio, as, as I think you know, with Pat, Pat Buchanan. Yeah. And Pat Buchanan, we did a couple years on NBC, and uh, one day he says to me, uh, "Hey Barry, why didn't you ever work for a president?" 
And I kind of jokingly said, well, because I never found any that were moral enough. What I really meant was, who the heck wants to be a cog in any presidential campaign or in any White House? Uh, I'd rather just be prepared to fight every president when he, because unfortunately we're no she is and still aren't, whenever he does the wrong thing. I, I was... Uh, I was asked once to, uh, I, I tried out for a show on MSNBC with Oliver North, and uh, the vice president of NBC calls me one morning and says, uh, hey, Barry, we really like your interaction with Oliver North, but I have one question for you, and the answer is really important. He said, would you defend Bill Clinton administration every night on the air if you get this job? And I said, I can't do that. He said, I was sure that would be your answer, but I have to tell you, you have no future here. You're not going to be hired. But you can't do that when Bill Clinton did wrong things. And I think a lot yeah. of in the Epstein matter, whether Bill Clinton ever was on the island or not, but I think we were a little too generous with Bill Clinton. I remember a group of uh, very right-of-center religious leaders asked me to be on some panel right after the Monica Lewinsky stuff broke, and I said, yes. Now, I knew that they were desperate and that, you know, they, they really wanted somebody who was a progressive to come on. And I said, I wish I could find a tape of this. I think C-SPAN had, had done it. I said, it's just wrong. You just, you cannot do this, and you cannot use what, to, sadly, even Hillary says now. Well, you know, she was, she was grown up, and uh, you know, she knew what she was doing. Yeah, but with the disparity of power between an intern and the President of the United States, it is inexcusable for the President of the United States to take advantage of a young woman in that way. That is inexcusable, and it's immoral, and it's unethical, and I wish more people had said that at the time, even, I think, even. I think a lot of Democrats did, though, Reverend. I well, mean, they did, but it was, it, <laughs> a few said it, but not many people said it very loudly. Well, and the, 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 the clergy of the country, rather silent on it, unless they were on the right. Well, I remember being on Bill Maher with Jerry Falwell, and he said President Clinton started an, uh, an, an oral sex epidemic in our nation's schools. And I'm like, damn, I was born at the wrong time. <laughs> but, you yeah. know, in, in fairness, though, uh, I, I, I struggle with it myself, because on the one hand, um, she was, by definition, a consenting adult. Yeah. Uh, she, he was not her first married boyfriend. No. He was disbarred. He was impeached. Mm -hmm. He got to keep his job. But there are times when I think, and, and but Bill Clinton's crime bill, you know, Bill Clinton, sure. you know, uh, gutting Glass-Steagall, those things bothered yep. me a lot more than his uh, abuse of, uh, I mean, what he did is kind of like what Louis C.K. did in that, mm -hmm. yes, it was consensual, but you were really in a position of power where how does a girl say no? And I have often thought, you know, if, if Clinton had resigned... And incumbent President Al Gore had run on the anger at the GOP for forcing this guy out because the majority of the country did not want him to resign. Right. No Iraq war. That's true. 
But I, I think there is a difference. I mean, I don't know all the details of the Louis C.K. thing. But I think when you're the president of the United I'm States, with you. I'm with you, you have an extraordinary and a power that's almost impossible uh, not to exercise. And he exercised it in a completely, utterly inappropriate way. And it's, it's just inexcusable. And it cast a, a pall to me over the Clinton dynasty, even though I strongly supported Hillary for the presidency. Yeah. But uh, I think we have, you know, you have to be consistent. You have to be consistent enough to know that if it's wrong to require people in a high school to pray a Christian prayer, then it's also wrong, as they did in California in a couple of schools, to have a homework assignment, which was to memorize a prayer from the Quran. And the idea was, well, this is just cultural. No, it's religious. It, again, it's religious, it's a prayer, it means something, and it's just as wildly inappropriate to say memorize a Quranic prayer as it is to say oh, memorize the Lord's Prayer. Well, let, me, let me ask you about that, because one of the criticisms against your work at Americans United for Separation of Church and State is that you guys were kind of uh, selective in what offended you, and that you, you, you were way too liberal. But I, I sort of feel like... I mean, you know, we, we, we want a liberal society. <laughs> if you would go to the dictionary definition of that word, of not the Fox News definition. And that was an example of where you guys actually did go up against uh, political correctness or a more yep. liberal, enlightened version of Islam because you were saying, what's the difference? You, and you also were very critical of former Democratic Party vice presidential nominee Joe Lieberman who never was shy about mixing religion no. and politics. No, I remember uh, CNN had me on to sit there and watch uh, Joe Lieberman's uh, selection and as for his speech as vice presidential uh, would-be nominee. And it was appalling. I mean, among other things, he said that he thought that on balance, people who were religious were more moral than people who were not religious. I mean, that's such an astonishing statement to make. And uh, Lieberman, of course, was a very, very moderate Democrat. And he had actually defeated Back one of Back then he was. Well, he defeated one of my heroes in the United States Senate, a man named Lowell Weicker, mm -hmm. who was a Republican at the time, became the independent governor of the state of Connecticut, and he used to, he, he, I used to see him all the time, and he would say things like, uh, remember Barry, it is not the Supreme Court, but it, the Senate that is the last great defender of the Constitution. And what he meant by that was the power of the filibuster was so important that it could stop bad ideas. And my favorite story about this, they were trying to leave, they're always trying to leave before holidays. It gets to the end of December. They're having a big debate over a tax bill. And I'm not watching it on TV. I get a call, it's from Senator Weicker. Weicker says, hey Barry, I don't think you're watching C-SPAN. He knew that. And he said, you ought to go on now because I think there's a, there's a, a couple of lines in this tax bill. Let me read them to you. You tell me if there's a constitutional problem. So he read me a couple of lines. I said, you know, Senator, I thought that's terrible. It's unconstitutional. He said, thank you, hung up. Then I turn on C-SPAN. He goes to the floor of the Senate. It's about 10 o'clock at night. He looks up at whoever the presiding officer is and says, uh, uh, Mr. President, uh, I have just consulted with counsel. And, uh, <laughs> and he said, uh, 
I've been advised that these three sentences on page, you know, 612, are, are really unconstitutional. We do have a, an option here. We could, of course, speak about this for the next three days, or we could just decide to delete those sentences and perhaps return to them later. And, of course, they deleted them immediately. But I think he, but Lieberman complained that Weicker was against prayer in public schools and as a consequence uh, beat him in that Senate race. Uh, uh, you know, I forgive people for everything, but it's hard for me to forgive Joe Lieberman for knocking out probably the greatest constitutionalist in the modern history of the United States Senate. Well. I have other things uh, I need to forgive Joe Lieberman on, and how ironic that Weicker is remembered as being liberal and Lieberman remembered as being an arch-conservative. Exactly. Um, Barry, uh, I'm always so thrilled to speak with you, and I love when you come on our SiriusXM show, and it's it's a real pleasure to have you as our first ecclesiastical guest on Thank the you. Sanity Cast. Um, we do a segment at the end of this show where I toss out a few questions to ask a Trump defender. Um, just simple yes or no questions uh, that people should pose to their loved ones about Donald Trump. And it's, it's meant in fun. It's meant to have, you have something you can do, you know, if you're in an argument. But I want to get serious with you. Um, can people who believe in Trump and claim to be Christian, people who claim they're for Christ but went for Caligula, can those people be reached, or are they beyond reason? How do we how do we live how well, do we live and get along with folks who are so willing to live in a world where you think you can support Jedi and Sith, Gargamel and Smurfs? <laughs> yeah, well, if, you, if you're big on the Smurfs, you may be it may be hopeless. But no, I think you can, and I mean, I think this happens in in families a lot. It happens mm -hmm. with your neighbors where eventually, if you give enough facts, not that it's easy, I don't, I don't believe this is an easy thing to do, but I think if you start where they are, what, do you, what are your values? Where do you get your ideas? And then whatever they say their values are and the source of their values, if you know enough about that book or that source or that culture, that tradition, to be able to say, well, let's look at it through this lens. It's, it's your lens, but, but let's just move over a little bit and see how it looks from here, and ask and pose these questions, I think you can make a difference. But I don't think it's the first the group. If, if you're talking about politics, for example, uh, several of the uh, candidates, uh, the many, 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 uh, could they say many, many candidates running for the Democratic primary, uh, they have faith outreach people. And I have always been annoyed by faith outreach staff <laughs> because it seems to me that that's just doing Marketing. the margin marketing and the wrong thing and Al Gore unfortunately did this didn't work for him and I just think you got to talk to people about the values of the country and you have to talk about religious diversity and you have to mean it and you have to treat everybody the same and you if if a Muslim effort is made that is inappropriate you have to counter that in the same way that you would counter a Christian initiative that is inappropriate you have to be consistent and I, that's what I tried to, to do at Americans United, and I think successfully. I mean, it, there were Muslim policies that were being adopted that I thought were highly, highly unconstitutional. And when I find one of those, like the Quranic thing we just talked about, or uh, there was a university that wanted to install foot baths in all of the restrooms at the university, 
And of course, and actually no Muslim students or teachers had even asked for it, but they just wanted to get ahead of the curve. And I, I said, well, this is crazy. You cannot make architectural changes on the basis of uh, your perceived needs of religious students. Not, not at a private school, but at a no, public school, public, but at a, at a private public. school, you could. Yeah, yeah, in public, yeah. A private school, you can pretty much do, do anything. Yeah. But, uh, well, I mean, yeah, Ken Starr knows all about yeah, that. Yeah, I'm sure he does. Uh, <laughs> but so then I was a hero for about two days on Fox News. I mean, I, I think I was on every Fox News show just saying, you know, this is wrong. You can't do that. You can't install Muslim foot baths and not because, at the university. And not because you would stood up for the Constitution, but because no. they thought you were being mean to Muslims. Exactly. Yeah. And, and being mean to somebody is not what I'm trying to do my whole life is not to be mean but it is to call out and it is to be consistent and I think there are people who if a Christian does something they go well that's terrible unconstitutional vile but if a minority religious group does it well we're not so sure about it they really think you have to be hardline and you have to be consistent but I think that those people are reachable in the same way that there were people who voted for Barack Obama who then voted for Trump and some of them have reconsidered. Many of them have not. How do you do that? How do you decide, you know what, um, abortion is wrong, climate change doesn't exist, the rich have had it tough, and uh, I've changed my mind on everything in one day. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that enough thought, I don't think any thought was given. I think people in the last presidential election were so interested in seeing something different. They just want to change. And here is a guy who lies. It lies about everything. We, I mean, you don't need the chronicling of lies by the Washington Post to know that every time there's a tweet sent out by this president, he's probably lying. And, but it doesn't take that. It takes, uh, well, it, it doesn't take finding every lie and saying, oh, here it is, let's put it on a list. It's looking at the big picture. It's looking at everything he's done on a specific issue. What does he think about the environment? What does he think about immigration? What does he think about health care? And looking at the ballpark and not get lost in the details. And mm. sometimes I think the Democrats do get lost in the details. Some of these debates that they've been having and are going to have some more of, they're debates over minutia. They're debates over things that just don't matter. They're, they're Democrats. They're all in favor of making a rotten health care system better. It's only having a debate over what techniques to use. But, you know, is there a health care plan that Donald Trump likes that's better than the health care plan of any, any Democrat? No. I think you have to talk in those broad ways because to have this argument to say, well, on page such and such of the volume two of the Mueller report, you said, or he said, I think this is lost on people. I honestly do. I just think that this is minutia. This is a discussion that we've heard, and now it's time to either act on it or just ignore it and, and just try to figure out how to uh, elect more Democratic senators and just make Donald Trump president again if he makes it that far, but he won't have any support and he can't do anything and he can't corrupt and infect the Supreme Court with a third justice because that yeah. would be catastrophic. Yeah, I, I want to see a guy running or a woman running for president saying uh, they're going to review Gorsuch <laughs> and 
uh, Kavanaugh yeah. because Absolutely. they're both there because of cheating. Um, yeah. Reverend Barry, before I let you go, um, this is our first two-parter on the okay. Senate Cast, and uh, we've never done a two-parter, but I've been waiting for this for a long time. Um, I have to ask you about the one last issue which we haven't discussed, which is the way we have been treating Christian refugees. I, I, in episode seven, I said I'm not calling them undocumented or illegal immigrants. I'm calling them Christian refugees. Yep. Asylum is it's legal to seek asylum. Crossing the border illegally is a misdemeanor. I can't think mm-hmm. of other misdemeanors where you can have your kids taken away. Right. And I think if if these were real Christians, they'd be down at the border with water, with supplies, with medicine to help these people. I think I'm pretty sure the Bible has in the Bible. There's no laws about borders, right? No. Nothing about borders. God doesn't really care about no. our invisible lines. Um, I, I respect that nations do. And again, Barack Obama deported more than yes. anybody uh, humanely for the most part. Yeah. They were processed children who were alone. They found the relatives in America. They, they didn't keep them. They didn't steal children from parents and they didn't keep them locked up for months. Um, how do you how can we deal with, how can we respond to our allegedly Christian friends and relatives and co-workers who see no problem with concentration camps, because even the Nazis weren't doing it to their fellow Christians? Right. Um, I think this is an issue where it really does make a difference, and, and where even in my own family, I was able to get a, a, a conversation started with a very conservative person who watched Fox News and a specific city's uh, sports teams exclusively to say that what was done to children at the border offended her so much that maybe she couldn't vote for him again. That's the, but this is so central. And, and the issue of refugee status, we forget, we forget all of the times in which we made terrible decisions about immigration. When we turn back boatloads of Jews from Europe and wouldn't let them come to the United States. And that was FDR. That was FDR. So this is a, a tendency, and as you point out, I mean, Barack Obama certainly, although it may have been felt more humane, uh, did a lot more deportations than Trump has done. But Trump wants you to believe that he's done even more. And uh, it, it's scandal. I mean, to run a campaign on the basis that you hate a group of people so much that you're not even going to let them into the country, that you're not going to give them due process of law or any process whatsoever, and that you're now going to uh, refuse to allow them to even apply for refugee status if they get to the United States, a policy that uh, Trump uh, it, temporarily has, has actually been approved mm-hmm. a few days ago. And um, this is about as low as you can go. The treatment of those fetuses now grown into real people at the border, sitting around in excrement, sitting is an impenetrable, unholy position to find oneself in. I can't believe that Mike Pence goes to the border, looks at what he sees, and thinks there's nothing wrong with it, or that the people on Fox News act like this is, in their words, going to summer camp. I've gone to summer camp. I didn't like them all, but there was nothing, absolutely nothing remotely like what's going on at the border today. Nothing. That's inhumane. That's immoral. And that should be called out consistently. And I think eventually there will be people who 
realize either from their own uh, immigrant backgrounds or not that this is not acceptable for an American system of values, period. Reverend, to all the people listening and out there who still believe love can save us, love for America, love from America, and that love is strength, thank you for uh, reminding us that uh, we're not alone. Um, I really admire your work. What is next for you, and how can we follow you on the socials? Yeah, on the socials, uh, you can go to Real Reverend Barry uh, Lynn on Instagram, and I think on Twitter, uh, you can find a picture, half of me and half of uh, Megan Kelly. <laughs> I'm the, the not-so-good-looking one. And, um, and I do have a podcast called Culture Shocks, the purpose of which is to identify charities, singers, comics, playwrights that I think ought to be more well-known in America than are, but uh, we don't run things that way. Reverend Barry Lynn, thank you thank for you. joining me on the Sanity Cast. Always fun to be here. All right, they asked me to to, to share my experience with um, eye puffiness under the eyes, and and it's 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 tragic because I'm I'm going to be honest with you, I, I I don't have eye bags. I have like Mario Cuomo level saddlebags. Like I have luggage. Like the bags under my eyes are so big they they get cable, and and you know you've heard about remedies over the years uh, from hemorrhoid cream. Uh, I did it wrong too. I won't explain, but they're not letting me back. Um, in CBS ever again, uh, tea bags, cucumbers, and you know, they don't really work. Well, that's why I was excited to learn about Plexiderm, because uh, Plexiderm, you know, it works, but not taking days or weeks. It's a clinically studied serum that visibly eliminates under eye bags and wrinkles from view in like minutes. Okay. The science behind Plexiderm is incredible. There are clinical studies to back it up. And if you find yourself looking older and tired because of crow's feet or wrinkles or under eye bags, you can look younger in just minutes with Plexiderm. Don't take my word for it. I'm just a disembodied voice. See for yourself. Watch a real video with real people and see how fast crow's feet and wrinkles and under eye bags disappear. The results are backed up by Plexiderm's 30-day satisfaction guarantee, which means a lot to me. Go to triplexiderm.com and use the coupon code SEXYLIBERAL for a discount. That's triplexiderm.com. Use the code SEXYLIBERAL or call one 800 685 1292 and mention sexy liberal check it out try plexiderm see what it does for your under eye bags and again if you're not satisfied they do have a 30-day guarantee what have you got to lose besides looking like mario cuomo and me really quick for inspiration nation um have you seen the mr rogers documentary won't you be my neighbor if you haven't i promise if you want to put your head in the oven just put your head in front of this movie instead it will give you faith again likewise if you want a really good uh spiritual movie try shadowlands uh about c.s lewis and his wife um beautiful performances by anthony hopkins his most underrated role and uh deborah winger that was her last oscar nomination shadowlands check it out it's it's weepy but um it's a smart movie about love and it'll get your mind off of you know um a heaping dumpster fire also, uh, check out Lucinda Williams' Car Wheels in a Gravel Road. It's 20 years this year. It's maybe the best country album of the last quarter century. Um, Tracy Chapman has a great song from the 80s about gun violence. It's called Bang, Bang, Bang. And it is uh, the best song I've ever heard about gun violence and the cycle of gun violence. Beth Orton, great British folky. Her album Central Reservation is also 20 years old, and it's really groovy, and uh, I think it'll get your mind off of all of this. And then 
little more inspiration, Robbie Robertson, who I love, guitarist and songwriter for the band. He has been releasing really great song solo records every couple of years for the past 30 years, only about four or five. But um, he released two albums of music inspired by uh, indigenous people. And um, he grew up on a reservation in Canada. The first was a soundtrack to a TBS film called uh, Music for the Native Americans. And the second was called Contact from the Underworld of Red Boy. Uh, they're, they're both records that are unlike anything the band did and anything you've ever heard. And he melds like traditional uh, Indian music with rock, with electronica. And it's really fascinating. You can hear a, a mishmash of all of them on an album called Classic Masters. But try to buy them both if you can. Uh, I'm performing all over the place. Thanks to everybody who came out. We had a sold-out show in Annapolis, Maryland. Uh, It was really a lot of fun. Thank you, everyone. Uh, There's going to be some big announcements about a couple of new things happening in September, which I can't tell you yet, but um, they pertain to broadcasting and live performance, and I'm really excited. I will tell you I'm performing again in Celebrity Autobiography in New York City at the Triad on the 26th of August. I think I'm performing with uh, Gina Gershon there, and she's terrific. And then and William Shatner returns to our Sirius XM show this coming week. Um, it's going to be live this time, and we're really excited. Now it's time for Ask a Trump Defender. We always wrap the show up with a few questions that you should ask your Trump defending loved one or neighbor or coworker with a bald eagle wallpaper fetish who can't spell your correctly. Simple questions. See if they can actually answer them. Ready? Here we go. Um, what specifically does winning mean to you, Trump supporter? Um, ask a Trump defender, do you believe Donald Trump when he claims he actually won the popular vote and that over 3 million undocumented immigrants were somehow able to vote illegally for Hillary? What is an example specifically of fake news? Crossing the border, Trump defender, is a misdemeanor. Are there other misdemeanors you think warrant the severing of parental rights? Please list them. Why do you think Trump and Ivanka Trump don't move their own manufacturing back to America? as part of their America First campaign. Hey, what's more unpatriotic, kneeling in silent protest during the national anthem or not knowing the words? Trump didn't know the words. Uh, here's a two-parter. Do you believe Trump slept with Stormy Daniels and paid her 130 grand to be quiet? Or do you believe the president's contention that he never slept with her but did pay her $130,000? Hey, which of those two things does the president actually claim? He, 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 he claims that he never slept with her and he paid her money to be quiet. Uh, Also, do you accept that 2017 was the worst jobs growth year since 2010? And do you agree with Trump's lawyers who've said that presidents can pardon themselves? Is that what our founders intended? I want to thank all of you for listening. I want to thank Chris Lavoie and everybody at the Stephanie Miller Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Subscribe to all those shows. They're, They're great. And uh, thank you to the Reverend Barry Lynn. We'll be back in a couple of days with a brand new episode. I'm lining up some really cool uh, guests as well, so I'm excited. Um, And one final thought. Remember this, okay? The Republican Party right now is ahead of their retirement pace last cycle. Last cycle, 34 members didn't run for re-election. Right now, they've already surpassed that two years later. Two years ago was the previous record. This is the most Republicans that have stepped aside and not run for election since 1930. Keep the pressure on. 
get people to vote. Your state and local matter more than who's president. I'm John Fugel saying, please write me. Please write me anytime. Uh, the number, uh, the number, the, uh, the, the, the email address at johnfugelsang.com. Send us your emails and your questions and your threats and your promises of glory. We'll read them right here. Thanks again. See you next time. Peace. Hey, this is Randy Rhodes, host of the Randy Rhodes After Hours podcast. If you love this episode, you're going to love the whole show. Every week we talk about everything that matters to you, from our future as a democracy to our existence on this here planet. Find it all at sexyliberal.com on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and anywhere and everywhere you get your podcasts.